Athletes, take your mark, get set. It's time for the Addict to Athlete podcast. Everybody out there, Coach Blue Robinson here. I want to thank you all for downloading, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast. We greatly appreciate you doing so. We've noticed a huge increase in our numbers, and we want to thank you all who are new to this podcast. We hope that you find some benefit within it to be able to help overcome addictions, mental health challenges, any kind of adversity life might throw at you. Addict to Athlete definitely has a podcast for you to get you through the tough times. So check out our website, addict2athlete.org. We have all of our backlogged episodes with all kinds of categorized from interviews all the way to self-help stuff. So check that out at addict2athlete.org. I want to thank all of you for downloading and sharing this podcast once more. Please don't hesitate. And if we can help you in any way, reach out. You can find all of our information on our social media. And of course, I want to thank our Patreon subscribers. Thank you guys so much for becoming Patreon subscribers. If you'd like to do so, jump on patreon.com slash addicttoathlete. And you can jump on there and find out all the cool tiers that we have selected for you. You pick a tier that works best for you financially, and you can open yourself up to all kinds of exclusive deals, merchandise, and the best one of all, the weekly bonus episodes, our extracurricular recovery program right now. Each week you get one, two, sometimes three episodes dumped every week exclusively for you Patreon subscribers to help you overcome addiction, mental health issues, and even trauma. But I want to give a special shout out and thanks to our super fans. They are Jerem living in Brazil, Thurston, Holly, Davey, Scott, Foster, Coach Chris Williams, Brett Frew, Coach Tara Butson out there in beautiful Telluride, Colorado. Thank you so much, Coach. Steve Riggs, Chelsea Olson, and the Warrior Within Podcast and Personal Development by Sensei KP, our rookie-level subscribers. They are Kenny Roseman and Earl Dyer. Thank you, gentlemen, our pro-level subscribers. Thanks so much, Gary Thurston and Josh Hansen. And, of course, the top tier. Thank you so much for our championship-level subscribers, Shad and Freya Robinson and the Robinson family. Ron and Deloche, and of course, Tracy Whitby. Thank you guys and gals so much for all that you're doing for Team Addict to Athlete. Again, jump on patreon.com slash addicttoathlete for more information. Okay, athletes, we're going to call this round three. Yes. This is round three, and for those of you guys that don't know, and this is going to be pretty much everybody, this is the third go-around we've had with, with uh, this amazing athlete. The first two, we, we really thought we were going well, and we were halfway through her story, and it just kept fizzling out. So I'm like, maybe this is because we have to do a face-to-face one. So she's cleared her schedule and came down to the studio in person to really talk about some amazing feats and pathways to sobriety and recovery. This is an athlete from our northern chapter of Addict to Athlete, and I'm excited to bring Amber Holmes here. Amber, holy cow, third time's a charm. Welcome officially to the podcast. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Actually in studio, too. Yes. Right? Yes. So it wasn't too hard to find down here. You had to battle the snow and all the traffic, but here we go. Yep, here we go. Awesome. So I, I feel like I know like the first few years of your life and your story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've yeah. covered it a couple of times, but man, there's so much there. So let's jump into it. Let's, let's let the, the, the athletes themselves know who you are, a little bit of background, and we will just go from there as we did the two previous times. Okay. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So I believe... When I think back on my life growing up, I thought I have a pretty normal childhood. Uh-huh. Um, when I was younger, my dad was Air Force, my mom was stay at home, and I started to notice it was a little different when I got to about sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. Um, I realized my mom was actually kind of cool. Um, she she caught me smoking, and then she was okay with it. She caught me smoking cigarettes. Wasn't a big deal. She's like, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. And then she'd say, okay, well. If you're gonna smoke, you might as well just smoke with me. Oh wow! So open invitation. Yes. So then that was that kind of opened the door for okay. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, what else can I get away with? What else? Right. Um, and so 
pretty much through junior high into high school, um, I became the cool kid in mm-hmm. school. Um, when my yeah, because you were the place everybody could go, right? Like the, yep. the cool parents. Yep. Okay. Well, the cool mom. The cool mom. It had to be when dad was gone. Gotcha. So he was military, but he retired. Okay. Um, but he still worked, and he usually worked weekends. So he worked at a radio station, and then he worked for concerts. Gotcha. And so when he was gone, he was always gone late, too. Mm. Um, so when dad was gone, we would play. Gotcha. Um, and my mom would let us. Uh-huh. So I started smoking weed with my mom drinking my mom would get us whatever we wanted mm-hmm. we wanted a party she'd let us have it at the house um and that was up until my senior year um i ended up meeting a gentleman in high school mm-hmm. that was older than me and okay. he was already out of high school all right and i got pregnant my senior year mm-hmm. and so i stopped drinking stopped um, smoking weed Mess around with Give you a reason to kind of be mm-hmm. be sober. Yeah. Right. And I graduated high school. I wasn't the cool kid anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't hang out anymore. So no one wanted to really hang you out. You kind of fell out of the loop. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so I graduated high school and I had my son two weeks later. And then I moved in with his dad. And mm. I actually met his dad my sophomore year. So we were together for a year and a half before um, I got pregnant and we moved in together. Okay. And I'm only 18 and I'm going into this, Have I have a kid, I had my kid two weeks later, moved in with him and I had this idea of what family life is, what I wanted as a mom and possibly a wife. Right. And this idea of my reality of a family <clears throat> and that changed pretty fast when I moved in with him. I didn't know what meth was, and I started to notice behaviors from him. Okay. He would leave for days, and then he would come home, and he would sleep. Oh, wow. And he was real moody. Uh-huh. Um, he didn't help much. He had this new baby, and he was kind of in and out, gone for days, floating mm-hmm. around. Okay. Yeah. And then, I mean, there were periods of time where I, I think he wasn't using, and he would he was super helpful. He but he was constantly going through jobs, mm-hmm. and I I remember the specific time things changed for me. Um, I think my son was, I think three or four months old. Okay. And I was holding him, and we were fighting. Mm. I just didn't understand why he was leaving. And he was going to be gone for days, and I was just like pleading for help. Like, yeah, I don't want to do. This you were completely myself. alone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Like, I don't understand what's happening. And the fight got pretty heated, and I was holding our son, and he smacked me across the face. Oh, while you're holding this four-month-old. Yes. Oh, Amber. Okay. And in that moment, I think my whole reality, my whole life changed. Yeah. I knew something was wrong, and I knew this was not. This was not okay. Mm-hmm. And you hear about like domestic violence, you know, in school or not a whole lot, but yeah, that it's not right. And no, you know, women shouldn't go through that. Men shouldn't treat women that way. Absolutely. Um, and so I just wasn't okay. Yeah. And you could put up with some stuff, but that's way yeah, out of line. Yeah. I, and then I, I, he left and one of my neighbors came over and. And she offered me, I think, like a Valium or a Xanax or something. Just to I calm the nerves. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and that kind of was the end of that. Mm. And I had um, 
I still had some narcotics left over from when I had him. Mm-hmm. And I started taking those. Oh. I, once I took that one, I I don't know what it was. It, it made me feel better. So right. And in my head, it was like, oh, these pills can make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes me don't have to think about it. I can just yeah. zone. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could be numb. There you go. And accept what it is. How often, Amber, do you think that happens to new moms in those situations where they really do have a leg up on sobriety because they have something to be sober for, but then after things around them don't change, people don't change, that it slides into that opiates, the pills, the the you know, the, the anti-anxiety medications, simply because, not that they're wanting to reawake their addiction, but they just need to zone for a minute. They just got to numb. Um, it probably happens a lot more I'll than I think does. we want mm-hmm. to actually realize. Oh, but um, it does. You're right. Because I think for especially single moms um, and then having a partner or doing life by yourself as a single mom is really tough. Absolutely. And it just helps. Mm-hmm. And for addicts, especially for me, not in a good way. Right. We're not coping. Right. Did it also keep you staying there? Did it also like. Yes. So, so you kind of like went back on your I'm not doing this to like I can probably handle this with this yeah if i have these i can i can cope with this gotcha and so that's that's when i think my addiction really started with opiates Uh um but i guess that's when it was like i'm a functioning addict right um and i was working i was still taking care of my son and that lasted and he was still doing his thing Uh um his behaviors didn't really change they were just kind of kept going they were a little more bearable because Uh i had a crutch yeah Uh i do I mean, I don't want to say deal with it because that wasn't dealing with it, but survive it. I'd say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I mean, the, the mental abuse, the physical abuse, it only escalated. And, and for me, it was, I would, I would get high. I would take these pills and then I would talk back or I would give you a little courage. Huh? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so the abuse escalated oh, man. and the mental, um, and then it was just take more, take more. Yeah. Um, that lasted for about six years, and he ended up getting into some trouble, and he had to go to rehab. Right. And I, I was taking pills this whole time, um, and I justified it that I could still work. My life was still manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept a roof over our head. And then he got clean. He was clean for about a year. Wow. I was still taking um, pills. Um, it started to get to a point where I just needed a few every day gotcha. to get through the day mm-hmm. and then some at night so I could sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he finished his program and he moved back with me. So that whole six years, it was like, break up, get back together, break up, get back oh, together. Wow. Um, and I had him come back home with mm-hmm. us. His son's six years old. I thought, okay, this is, you're really gonna do this and you're gonna help me and we're gonna be a family like we should be yeah um he came home and i got pregnant and we were excited Mm -hmm. it seemed like life was going better right things were turning around um and i stopped taking pills and i i found out at 20 weeks that something was wrong so i went to go find out if i was having what the sex was of the baby Mm -hmm. But I ended up finding out something was wrong. Um, oh. There was no amniotic fluid, and the doctor had told me um, 
that my baby, they can't tell me what's wrong, um, but they couldn't find any kidneys, and they said that she would probably have a 1% to 5% chance of living. Oh, my gosh. Um, and they, they gave me the option of terminating the pregnancy or taking that chance with the 1% to 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up deciding to just carry the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, my own spiritual beliefs or my own how I felt about it. Right. It wasn't up to me if my daughter lived or died and I didn't want to make that choice. Wow. Um, I ended up carrying her 34 and a half weeks. Um, she was born with the mermaid syndrome mm. and she only lived for an hour and a half after she was born. Oh, wow. And she passed away in my arms. Oh. Um, and I think that was probably one of the hardest things to have I to cope imagine. with. Oh my heavens. Yeah. Um, and the what she was born with is extremely rare. Yeah, so mermaids disease. I've I've never heard of it. So they actually form their their legs fuse together. Okay. So they actually form like a mermaid. Okay. Um, but her kidneys didn't form. Okay. And um, a lot of other organs. Her heart was fine, but her lungs didn't develop. Wow. And her brain was fine. But she just couldn't breathe. She didn't gotcha. have the lungs to keep herself alive. My goodness, literally, like that would make perfect sense mm-hmm. then for the name. That's that's. But, but in your arms, an hour, mm-hmm. you gave her the gift of life for the hour. That's mm-hmm. that's incredible too. But you, but you're probably roller coastering with emotions as this is happening. Yes. Yep. Oh. And so we had the funeral, and of course, you know, I had a C, I had to have an emergency C-section with her. Okay. Um, it got to the point where. Um, if I didn't go in, we both would have died. Okay. My, my placenta was tearing. Um, and so they sent me home with the narcotics. As they do. Yep. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. of course, I'm an emotional wreck, so those became my way of coping again. Um, yeah. And her dad relapsed. And, mm. yeah, I couldn't – I just could not cope with the fact that he was using again. Yeah. And our daughter had died, and – I still have my son who's seven years old and, and needs his mom. And uh-huh. life just became so overwhelming and so depressing. And then I got into this place where I was the victim. Right. And why is this happening to me? Which is a, which is a perfectly normal question to ask. Mm-hmm. I would totally assume that would be perfectly okay in your mind, like you know, playing that card because really it, everything you're talking about is. Yeah. But with no pillar or no foundation for someone to kind of help strengthen you yeah. that you can hold on to, everything begins to crumble, yeah? Yep. Mm. And and I was angry at the world. Um, I didn't have – my mom has intellectual disabilities, so mm-hmm. her intellectual is much lower than, than a lot of ours. Which is why she felt more like a friend than a parent yes. then. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And I was angry. I didn't have a mom. That mm-hmm. nurturing – she wasn't there to help me. Right. Um, when I had my my first child, and she was definitely not capable of being that nurturing mom for that loss. Yeah. Um, and my dad had no I like, he was just didn't know what to do. Just yeah, just kind of nose to the grinding stone, doing his yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of resentments um, towards friends, and I, and I think this is when a lot of this started to come up for me because. I got into that place where I was angry at the world. I was picked on. You know, I was given this mom that couldn't be the mom I probably really needed. Right. Um, And now I'm going through this in life, and you took my daughter. And I was really, I became very angry and the victim. And 
Um, Extremely lonely, it would sound like, too, because who can really, who's really there that knows yeah. how you feel, yeah? No one. Yeah. And then it became, I would go to the therapist just so I could say, hey, give me some Xanax. Mm-hmm. Doing my end of the deal, hook yeah. me up, yeah. yeah. I feel bad for me, you know, my my life's a mess. Yeah. I feel bad for me. Um, and very justifiable. I don't think anyone would not give you those kind of things that you needed because of that story and that situation. So it's it's the perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah. And then I, my mom would ask me for pills. Um, and then I realized my mom had been actually using pills for a long time mm-hmm. um, before I even, before I did. And, right. the, and after my daughter died is when my addiction spiraled. Gotcha. I, I don't think I was the functioning addict. No longer. No. Gotcha. I, and, and I don't like to go into a whole lot of that mm-hmm. part of it. It's, it's, I don't it speaks for itself. normal, but you it's, know, you're I right. became the manipulator, the thief. Um, I lost my stuff multiple, multiple times. Mm-hmm. I became homeless um, in my car. Right. And I was very manipulative to my family. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad always tried to support me where he could, um, especially financially. Yeah. And then I got to a place where I was stealing so much money from him. And in 2009, when the market had crashed Uh and all people were losing their homes, my dad was one of them. Oh man. And I feel like I contributed um, to that part by all the stealing. Right. By taking more than he could even offer. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and my dad had a traumatic brain injury from the military. And so he had a shunt put in. And so his short-term memory, he didn't, he started losing his short-term memory. So he would forget. Mm. And so, and I took advantage of that. Right. Um, he couldn't remember what happened two days ago. Right. Um, so you had a mother who had the disability with, with, with maybe being a little bit you know, with, with behind behind the, the level of, of education she should have yes. and the, that stability. Dad had his own physical disabilities mm-hmm. with, with, the, with the brain injury. Mm-hmm. So not only could you manipulate that to that situation, but then there really was probably challenging for you to get any kind of the emotional support you really needed, the emotional investments that really needed yeah. to be there, even in replace of any kind of financial or, you know, or, or friendship, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Never. And I think I, I was looking for that in my son's dad. Absolutely. And when we moved in together, it was like, okay, this is where my needs are going to be filled and we're going to do, I'm going to be a better mom than my mom. And you know, I'm going to yeah. do this. Um, my dad always raised me to be strong and right. um, independent. And I went the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad went downhill very fast. He tried to kill himself. Aww. And I found him. You did? Yeah. Wow. Um, that was really tough. This and was in the thick of your addiction, too, then, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. yeah. It was when he was losing his house. Okay. And... That was just another excuse for me to keep getting high. Yeah. Like, how shitty is this life? Like, yeah. It's just, I, I, I don't want to deal with any of it. Um, and I lost so many friends. I burnt so many bridges. Um, I was, I was not a good mom. Hmm. Um, and me and my son's dad, we, we split up okay. and we ended up splitting up after our daughter died. And I ended up meeting my ex-husband now, but mm-hmm. I met him and he didn't use meth, but he used the same drugs I did. Right. So then it was like competition. Oh, huh? Yeah, yeah, here we like, go. Yep. You're, get it on. Yeah. Like we're going to get along great. Mm-hmm. We're going to share and we're going to just 
have fun and find it together. Like, no. It doesn't end up that way. No. You're right. If anything, that relationship became more toxic than the other one. Mm -hmm. And I became the abuser. Mm. Um, I started hitting and throwing things and mentally abusing. Getting back to what you knew, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Makes sense. And that I just accepted was my life and what it would be like, what it should be like. Um, you say that now. Do you remember kind of feeling that way, like accepting that this this must be how it's going to be? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And Intense. just accepting it and like adapting and being like, well, this is what it is. So this is yeah. what, how I'm going to live. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, and as long as I stood in that victim and the poor me and I'm picked on and, and my higher power hates me. Mm-hmm. And everybody feel bad for me. Um, I could stay there. Yeah. And oh man, that 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 lasted for up until we got some pretty serious charges. Um, mm. And I was in and out of jail. Right. Um, Almost standard issue, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we got some serious charges, and I ended up going to jail. We we ended up running, and. I mean, we live life where if anyone knocked on the door, it oh, was, it's it instant panic too. Oh like, yeah, oh yeah. You're looking, you're like, don't open the door. Who's that? Yeah, yeah. Like, and the the anxiety and just the, uh, yeah. Gotcha. But I ended up going to jail. I had a warrant. They picked me up, and it was a couple weeks before my birthday. Mm-hmm. And they had given me a chance. They had said, here, we'll put you in this program. Do this program, probation. And I was like, oh, I got this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then (laughs) I, I, you know, you have this idea, I can cheat the system. Yeah. We always think we have the best plan, huh? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. (laughs) I I didn't didn't win. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) But I wasn't supposed to. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting in jail. It's two weeks to my 30th birthday. And here I think I'm just going to get out again. Uh Because before that, I would get out. I get bailed out. I get let out. Um, Yeah. That didn't happen. Man. And... I spent my 30th birthday in there, and oh. then while I was in there, it was kind of like this, this is my life? Like, what happened? Like, where did I, oh my gosh. And um, I ended up having my daughter in the, the midst of my addiction, oh, and I didn't stop using with her. Huh. Even after that pregnancy of losing is my that daughter, right? I didn't stop with my second, my wow. third child. And she was actually born withdrawing from opiates. And I use that as just another, um, I can't cope with this. I'm yep. just going to keep getting high. I can't I can't even deal with this. Like, I'm a shitty person. Another reason. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I did this to my child. And um, she was probably almost four at this time. And my son was 12. Mm. And he went and lived with his dad. And his dad was still using, and he ended up, he, they were sleeping in a tent in someone's backyard. Wow. And my daughter was with my ex-husband's mom. Mm-hmm. And I was just in jail. I couldn't do anything. And then I lost everything all over again, and I couldn't do anything. Like, like, like not now, now you're feeling empty and hopeless. Yeah. And, oh, man, I can only imagine. And my dad oh. wouldn't come see me. He didn't want to see it. And at first I was mad, but then I found out he didn't want to see his daughter that way. Yeah, that's probably crushing him too. Not yeah. not realizing that either, but yeah. I can totally understand that. And he, it, it was like he knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he knew, he, 
he knew the two ways it was going to go. Oh, yeah. And I think he he was glad that it was there and not dead. Exactly. And my mom still continued to use. And mm-hmm. I did my time. And while I was doing my time as well, my ex-husband left. And he ended up getting with the, the girl that married us. Huh. She was a friend of mine. Friend. Huh. Friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's all kind of a backward situation there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so then while I was in jail, I went to meetings. I was ready to do something different. I started seeing a therapist. You felt the change in there? Yeah. Hmm. And I, and the jail uh, offered therapy? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Hmm. And the therapist I did have in there, mm-hmm. I can't even remember the, his name, but he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he seemed like he really cared and he wanted to help me. Um, and he, he gave me that, I think, that little spark of hope right? that I could get better and I could change. If you wanted it. Yep. Gotcha. And so I just, I worked while I was in there. I worked out. Um, I saw the therapist, went to NA meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, when I got out. How long were you in there for that set, that stint? Do you remember? Six months. Okay. That's a, that's a decent chunk of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For just doing a day here, two days here, a week. Yeah. And then they throw me in there for six months. Yeah. And that's, yeah. That's the first half of your 30-year-old life is just gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then everything falling apart outside while I'm in there. Um, When I got out, I had absolutely nothing. I was starting with zero. Probably like a little bit below zero, I would imagine. huh? You had some ketchup to do. Mm -hmm. Yep. I had nowhere to live. I had, I had no money. I had, I had, I couldn't even get on the bus. Oh man. Like, yeah. And my son was not with his dad anymore. His uncle stepped in and took him. And my daughter was still with my, uh, her grandma. Okay. And so a old friend of mine that I grew up with moved back here and she offered for me to live with her. Oh wow. And I had burnt that bridge. Hmm. Um, but she really wanted to reach out and help me for some reason. She felt something there. Yeah. Gotcha. And so I, I took it and I was still on probation, still had to do groups and treatment. Mm-hmm. And I jumped right in and said, you know, I'm going to do this. Right. I can do this. And my friend has offered to help me. I'm going to, I'm going to just do this. Hmm. Um, and at first it was, I'm going to show the court. Like, I can do this. It's my favorite. And my probation officer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to prove to them. Yeah. Watch mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, so I got my daughter back. And then two months later, I got my son back. And I was in a good place. I felt good. Things were going good. Mm-hmm. Um, I had goals I was working towards, getting my license back, um, getting a place for me and my right. two kids. Well, two months after I got my son back, I got a phone call. Um, and his dad was killed. Um Oh my goodness. He was shot in the neck. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Him so and two other people. We're not talking like just like there we say like normal kind of thing, car crash, no. something like this was something sinister that Yeah. Oh my heavens. Yeah. And how old your son at this time? He's so he was twelve. He was twelve. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. And he was just so happy to be back with his mom. He'd talked to his dad a few times mm-hmm. and he was looking forward to going to see his dad and we realized his dad wasn't calling. Right. And he hadn't talked to his dad. And usually that's when we would be like, okay, he's he's pretty out there now. Yeah, you know what that means, yeah. But yeah, and you got I, the call. I got the call. And it was like three o'clock in the morning, and my son had to get up for school. I did not go back to sleep. And well, yeah. I woke him up, and after I told him, oh man, 
to see your Amber, child. I can't, Im- I can't imagine that. Like, how, how do you wake up to that news? I mean. And, and, and what I realized when I think about that is mm-hmm. our kids love us no matter what. You notice. And he loved his dad. Yeah. And he knew his dad was on drugs. He knew what his dad was doing in life. Mm-hmm. And he was so hopeful that he would get better. Right. And things would change. And my son was devastated. I can imagine. Like, watching him just cry and scream in a pillow was probably one of the most heartbreaking things as a mom. And again, I would I would imagine, similar to feelings you've had in the past, very, mm-hmm. very helpless on your part, yes. too. Like, yep. I... I I can be here, but he, I can't do, I can't change this. Yeah. Like, oh man, Amber. And that was the first year of my recovery and it was a pivotal moment for me. Mm. Um, and that's when I changed. How so? Tell me why. Why was it? I mean, I, I, I can understand, but little listeners, why was it so pivotal for you? Because you didn't regress and be like, okay, well, here's another excuse to use. Mm-hmm. You didn't pivot that way. No. What was it? Um, so when I got out and like I was saying, you mm-hmm. know, I'm going to show the court, I'm going to show my PO, yeah. like, I can do this. Um, and I'm going to do this for my kids. Um, it, it changed my mindset. Mm. It changed my mindset to, I can't do this for yeah. them. And I am not going to prove this to the court or to my probation. I'm going to prove this to myself. There you go. And that's when that mindset changed. Yeah, that solidified it, huh? Yeah. I knew wow. doing it for myself, my kids would reap those benefits. Mm-hmm. And bettering myself, my kids would get that reward. And they would get the best version of me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because I've, I've worked with so many people where they, you know, they, 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 what's their why? And a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm doing this for my kids or I'm doing this for my, my loved one, whatever. That can get you through the door, but it's not sustainable, is it? You've got to do it for you. Yeah. You figured that out. Yeah. I I couldn't do it for my daughter when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. I didn't stop. Yeah. I couldn't do it for them. Exactly. I had to do it for me. Even though you wanted to. I wanted to. Spot on. Full on. But I just couldn't. I had to do it for me. And once I started doing it for me, that's when recovery changed for me. Wow. And What did you notice? Um, I was more invested. I took treatment more seriously. I went in and I listened and I really put the work in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was doing it for me instead of like focusing on, okay, I'm going to do this assignment and pass it and then like show my PO. Look, I did this. Look at this cool report. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I patted myself on the back. Perfect. Um, and that, that's pretty much, I got up to about, I, in four years, Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I went in my recovery. Nice. Um, and I, I would do NA meetings mm-hmm. and I focused on getting a place, um, supporting my, my kids. And that was like my sole focus, just get a car, get a place to live, pay my bills. Yeah. Like I, that's where my goals were. Normal goals yeah. too. Not outrageous. Nope. Normal goals. Yep. And I had a record. I was like. I can't do much, so mm-hmm. let's just get a job. You know, I'm yeah. working at Subway. I got a job at Subway as an assistant manager, and then I went my way up to a gas station. Mm-hmm. Then I went my way over to a call center. Mm. Terrible. The hardest job in the world, really. Oh, my gosh. Call center, let's be honest. Terrible job yeah. I've ever had. I'll mm-hmm. never do it again. I don't blame you. Marissa made it uh, like two hours at a call center once, and she's like, <laughs> took her break, and she left. So I can understand. Yeah. I lasted a year, so. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'll give myself Good credit grief. for that one. Yeah. 
Um, and in those four years, that's basically what I did. I worked, paid my bills, we got a place to live, and I ended up getting back with my ex-husband. Mm. Um, he went to jail, and I and he got out, and he did his treatment. He was clean, and I thought, you know what? We'll give it another try. Wow. We're both clean. We're in recovery. Maybe we'll get to know each other. Through different lenses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. No. no. It very rarely does. Yeah. Very rarely. He didn't take recovery. His recovery was different than mine. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Um, and he started using and hiding it. I mean, I found him making moonshine in our closet. And you're like, come on, man. It just, yeah. yeah. It, it. He just had different plans in, in my recovery. I didn't want that life anymore. And I was already struggling with people using. My mom was still using. Right. I, my dad still was going downhill. He got dementia. Mm-hmm. And his health was deteriorating really fast. And I would go over there to help my dad. And my mom would just be in the bathroom with my sister. pills, Or she would just be passed out in her room. So if you hadn't have made the commitment to do what you did and, and start taking it serious... How easy would it have been for you at that period of time to slip right back into it after oh, everything you'd worked for? Easily, easily. So I'm so curious. Why didn't you? What, what was it? What was so different that you're like, no, I'm. Not, this might be life, but I'm not. I'm not going back there. I think at that point I had made so much progress. You felt it too, right? Yeah, like I knew how hard I've worked mm-hmm. for where I've gotten. Beautiful. And nobody was handing me anything. No, doesn't sound like it. No, I was fighting for everything i was fighting for every day of my recovery at that (laughs) point and going in and like i seen my mom i walked in the back room and she had pills dumped on the on the bed right and i look at my mom and she's she's high and i see my sister and and it reminded me of where i did not want to be again yeah like visually right there yeah and how i i looked at the situation different Mm -hmm. um but I knew I couldn't like hang out there. Right. I knew I couldn't stay there, so I kept myself safe, right. and I stayed aware of those things. Because mm-hmm. I could easily walk up to my mom even today and say, "Hey, I need some pills. I don't feel good." Boom. There and it is. I put my hand out, and they're right there. Yep. That's how easy yep. it would be for me. Um. Uh. So then my dad, he needed someone to take over financially. And I was in a good enough place I could do that. And my dad trusted me to do that. At this point, he's like, he got his daughter back. He's yeah. like, yeah. And so that was just another thing in my recovery that I was proud of. And I could be the person my dad needed at that moment. Mm-hmm. And I also looked at it as I could um, give back to my dad. Yeah. Um, and make that amends. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I ended up divorcing my husband. And then I got, I started working as a peer um, at DBH. Mm-hmm. Loved it. DBH. Yep. And I started Love it. getting involved in the recovery activities. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when I was introduced to Addict Athlete. Oh, really? Yeah. The first run I did was at Red Barn. That's right. Yep. And at this point, I was like 200 pounds. Oh. So I was killing it in recovery Uh as far as staying clean. Mm -hmm. But I think at this point I realized I was still active on addictive behaviors. Right. And I was still coping in an unhealthy way. Right. 
Which happens quite a bit, yes. right? We follow the dopamine. Yes. So if you're not using, yep. it's got to come from somewhere. You're right. Yep. And I mean, I was sitting in bed eating a whole row of Oreos. Mm-hmm. And I was fine in that moment. Right. But that next morning, I did not feel good. Yeah. And the weight just came on. And I've been small my whole life. I'm only five feet tall. Yeah, I was going to say. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Putting on 200 pounds, no good. Yeah. But, yeah. You've got these kids you need to couple up with yep. and all this life you want to live. Yep. Mm-hmm. Walking up a flight of stairs, I'd lose my breath. And I would justify it and say, well, I'm not using drugs. Yeah. So it's okay. So it's okay. And then I'll go eat another Big Mac or something. Right. But I didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And so... Getting involved in the recovery community, starting to get involved as much as I did. Mm-hmm. And that first run with Addict to Athlete was a pivotal moment. Was it? Oh, my. It was cold that day. I remember. Oh it was like a little gosh. chilly up there that day. Oh. Uh-huh. And I could not run. I've never ran before, even in school. I'll bet you or... we have pictures of you on that run because we have tons of pictures yeah. from that very first yep. run. How funny, Amber. Yeah. And I... I'm like, I don't run. I'm not a runner. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I ran from the cops. Yeah. But running no, for criminals. That's why I, I didn't yeah. like run for anything else. And so this was a totally different experience for me. And that first run, I remember I couldn't run. I would run maybe five feet and then start walking again. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. I, I was too overweight and I just couldn't breathe. I was still smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And people are like passing me, and I see these people that like look like they've been out here running forever. Right. And I'm like, I do not belong here. Like, what's up with these people? Yeah. I'm like, sure it was Nate that kind of drug you over. Was it Nate, one of the ones that told you to, to come over? Did one you, of them. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah. he's like Mr. Lean, and I'm like, even, yeah, I'm like, dang, these. man. <laughs> so I know exactly what you're talking about for sure. So, so you kind of start comparing yourself. You're like, yeah. maybe this isn't my group. Yeah, I probably should not be here. Like, I don't fit in. But the funny thing is, is I did fit in. Absolutely, and you did. Everyone was so welcoming yep and so like encouraging and uh-huh. i was like i do belong here it's your team and i finished yeah and i was like oh my god i finished <laughs> you're like what was that i did it yeah and just doing it 5K. like oh my gosh so then it was like i'm gonna do it again and i'm gonna do it faster next time mm-hmm. and then every time i did one it was like i'm just gonna do it faster i'm gonna do it faster than the next time Wow. I'm going to push myself to do better then. And so it became a challenge with myself. Yeah, for you again, not for anybody else. Yep. For you again. Yep. Hmm. And then I get my kids out there. Oh, beautiful. Oh, it was so much fun. Uh And it it felt good. And I started to feel better. And I ended up getting into school. Mm -hmm. Um, I got into Weber State, which... I was like, when they suggested it, I was like, no, you're tripping. You're on your mind. Like, no it's like, you're, you're like, don't you know who I am? Yeah. like Me in school? Come on now. Yeah. And my life's not going any further than we are right now. Who was it that suggested that to you? Do so you it was a few people. Um, they, they were like, Amber, you've got something about you. You should do this. Yeah. They're like, you should go to school and become a therapist. Uh-huh. And I'm like, ooh, a therapist? Yeah, you're like, Eesh. Like, I can share my story so far, and it's helpful. But, but being responsible for someone else's emotions? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I, I really was like, no way, you're high. Like, there's no way I could do college. No yeah. way. I don't even remember. The, the only books the I've been reading way. are, like, children's books. Uh-huh. So, a college book? <laughs> but then, here I am, wanting to challenge myself and say, you know what? Go, Amber try it mm-hmm. like who's gonna limit you who's gonna stop you yeah you 
And so I went, I got in, and I was like, oh, I got in. Yeah, like, that's the first hurdle. Mm -hmm. This is for real. So then I'm like, just put your head down and get a passing grade. Here, that's here. it. That's all you got to do. And I ended up going in, and I, I don't like to play small. So oh, I love it. I went in, and I was on, I, on a roll. Yeah. I got on um, a committee where we did a study on the federal mental health court. Mm. Um, like, there's, I just got so involved. Started and, seeing things, different angles yep. behind the. Oh, I yep. love it. And while I was going through school, um, I, I've always been interested in law, too. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew I had a record. Mm -hmm. So I knew I didn't. And while going to school, I knew I didn't want to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to school, and I'm, I started running more. I ended up losing 90 pounds. Oh, my gosh, Amber. Yeah. Holy and cow. changed my eating habits. Um, I, I, Addict to Athlete helped me get my recovery to where it wasn't just just stay clean yeah it was more a whole health mental physical spiritual spiritual all of it yep, emotion everything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep and so then i think getting into school yeah. helped me realize that my life doesn't have to just stay here no it doesn't plateau it can keep going yeah and i can fight and get whatever i want nice so, and you're living proof of it to that point, too. I mean, yeah. look how far you've come. Yeah. And so then I went and I fought and I got my background expunged. Oh, uh, I love it. Everything off my background. Which isn't easy. No. I know it's not easy. No. It but it's took possible. years. Yeah. It took years. Wow. And fighting and courts and writing a story in a letter explaining myself. And explaining my situation and having to expose yourself to yep. to so many people that you don't know and yeah. hoping they feel the same rhythm that mm -hmm. you're in I, I can totally understand it yep and i fought hard i got it all expunged and i graduated um with my bachelor's um with honors and holy cow i yeah life just changed from there and my dad ended up dying um, <laughs> while i was before I got my associates. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just so grateful that I, he was able to watch me walk for my associates. Oh, wow. And he died a month later. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was able to give my dad that gift. So he knew before he, before he left, he's yeah. like, she's okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Amber, that gives me cold chills. Yeah. And life has even changed since then i'll bet um that was i just graduated in a year ago january a year ago really and yeah huh yeah and i don't want to be a therapist so i'm not going for my master's uh-huh um i actually want to go to law school and i want to get wow. in the courts and advocate and even up at the capitol and lobbying for mental health and substance abuse treatment. So important yeah. to have people that know both sides of that table, yeah. Amber. Holy and cow. Right now I work um, at DCFS mm -hmm. and I work in the family drug court and I am a caseworker. So I work with families um, and their kids. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're seeing, you're, you're seeing these people come in there like, you know, I, I can't, I don't know if I can. And you're like, oh yes, you yeah, can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yep. And they're like, well, how would you know? And you're like, I just trust me. I, I know. know. I know. I love that. And, and I have, I've, I've been told they, uh, you know, I've had moms, 
I love my caseworker. She's amazing. And they've told Amber's me. Amber's so important. Yeah. They've... You, you're doing God's work because that is the hardest job in the world. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, truly, I think anybody that works for the Department of Family Services is, is, is instant saint because that's, it's not easy. And let me tell you, I did not think I'd be working there. I didn't. Well, I didn't realize you were working there. It kind of blows my mind because that's, <laughs> it's a challenging job. It's a love-hate. I know for sure. And yeah. I know the caseworkers that I've worked with. I've, I've worked in the field for 20 years, so I know a lot and the ones that, that care, that are there, like what you're talking, what you're explaining, mm-hmm. they get so much mileage out of the people they work with versus the ones that yeah. they feel like it's, 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 uh, it's a never-ending battle. It's like, don't, and I've told this to everybody, never battle your caseworker. They're trying to help you. Yeah. Yep. Let your pride go mm-hmm. and, and just follow their lead. They're there to help you. And if they'll do that, I've seen so many wonderful things come out of it. Yep. And I, I'm grateful to be where I'm at and mm-hmm. for... People to tell me, you know, I feel like you're on my side. Mm-hmm. I feel like you get it and, and you're fighting with me and you really are on my side and you really do want to see me get my kids back. Yeah. I really do. Well, you have a very unique window into yeah. into people's hearts because of the window you've had to climb through. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. Yep. So I, 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 I'm working on studying for my LSAT. Um, That's awesome. And go to law school. I, I'm super grateful to be where I'm at, and I, through my recovery, it's changed. Mm-hmm. And people have asked me, um, "Does it get easier?" And I always tell them, "No, I get stronger. Yeah, and I get smarter." That and makes a lot of sense. For me, recovery is about being accountable, and I think one of the hardest things is to look at yourself and and say okay well that's not a very good uh that's probably not good yeah that's not a good choice that's yeah. not a good idea sitting here eating to a whole row of oreos not a good idea the, you know uh, tastes great what am i doing not a, really? not a good idea yeah mm-hmm. i mean i love oreos i'll still have a couple here and there but it's not a whole row at 10 o'clock at night right um, the discipline the, the self-discipline that you're that you've developed is is off the charts and anyone can do this if they'll put in the work yeah and crazy thing is is i met um I remarried, mm-hmm. and my husband is amazing. Um, I I've met... been following you guys. I've been Facebook stalking <laughs> you too. I know this to be true. And after I left my ex husband, I I left and I went into it as I'm just I don't need anyone. Yeah. Like I mm-hmm. I just want to do. I just want to. I just want to do this. I'm good with me. Yeah. And I want to learn to be alone uh-huh. and the freedom and the independence. Yep. And I remember my dad telling me and teaching me to be independent. Right. Um, and I met my husband. And when I first met him, we we became really good friends. Uh-huh. And when I first met him, I was like, Mm-mm, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going. I'm not ready. I don't want it. I'm good. No, yeah, I'm not going. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Let's be friends. And we became really good friends and it was awesome and at this point i was involved in addict athlete i was involved in the recovery community Mm -hmm. and um i was running i was running i ran the ogden half loved it oh brilliant that's not not an easy race either no Uh and one of my other ones that i do it's not my favorite run as far as the route Mm -hmm. but it was the veterans run oh yeah i do Mm -hmm. that one with addict to athlete yeah um 
I do that one for my dad. Aww. And the last one I did, he was able to be at the finish line. What? Yeah, it was so cool. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, but I was running. Uh-huh. You know, I loved running. And when I, when I met my husband, he introduced me to Spartan Races. And I had no idea what Spartan Races were. Yeah. And let me tell you, when he oh, told me, my gosh, I yeah. was like, no. Are you out of your you mind? You want me to climb a rope? Yeah. I don't think I even did that in junior high. Yeah, we didn't. It was too dangerous, right? They're like, don't do that. I'm like, and the monkey bars, I kind of avoided. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no. And he's telling me all about it. And then he got me to go to Idaho Uh and do the smallest one they have. It's Sprint, three miles with 20-something obstacles. And it's still not easy. No. It may be a shorter one, but it's just as challenging and hard. Oh, my gosh. We got to the rope, and I'm like... Yeah, this isn't happening. Yeah, like what <laughs> about me? Do you not know that makes me think I can do this? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, just try, just try. So I tried. I couldn't do it. I mm-hmm. knew I wasn't gonna be able to do it. Right. So then we finished. I got this really cool Spartan medal. Yeah. And it was kind of like the same as like running. I got the medal and I did it. And then it was like, okay. Okay, wait a minute. How can I get better? Yeah. I need to do this again, and I'm gonna get up that rope. Yeah. And I'm gonna cross those monkey bars. And. I told him, okay, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. And I'm talking just the sprint again. Okay, yeah. we'll do the sprint again. Well, I started to help him sign up for, he was showing me this ultra race in Texas. And it's 32 miles with like 80-something obstacles, 60, 80-something obstacles. Oh, my gosh. And I looked at him, and I'm like, you got to train for this for like a year. What are you doing? Yeah, this isn't something you're doing next month. Like, yeah. this is going to take time. And he's like, no, I'm good. Well, I'll do it. Typical guy thing to say. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're insane. Okay. That's awesome. I ended up signing up for that ultra five months later. Oh, my gosh. And I'm What were like, you thinking? I'm going to die. I'm going to do it. I'm going to die. I'm going to do it. But I'm going to die. I'm going to do Oh, my gosh. So we ended up doing the ultra race together, and it took us 12 hours in Texas. And it 12 was. 12 yep, hours. Yep. Eight, how many miles? 32. 32 miles, 80 obstacles. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Insane. And, and me and my husband, we have this thing where um, we're, we're real big on integrity. And I think mm-hmm. I cherish integrity in my recovery. And I started yeah. that from the very beginning. Right. Because when I was in active addiction, I would steal. Exactly. And you know what it's like not to have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that what it's like to try to get away with things if mm-hmm. people don't notice or, you know, not doing the right thing, even yeah. when no one's watching. Um, I, I've been real big on integrity in my recovery. It. And my daughter, um, I took her to the store and she wanted, she was on that whole slime kick. Uh-huh. And As she, everyone was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was over it. I don't want slime in my house <laughs> And she had stuck the little Elmer's glue between my purse uh-huh. and the cart. And we walked out of the store. I didn't know it was there. And I grabbed my purse and it falls. Right. And we didn't pay for it. Mm-hmm. It's like 25 cents, I think, or 50 mm-hmm. cents. Um, and this was the first year of my recovery. And I, I, she looked at me and she says, sorry. And mm-hmm. I'm all, okay, well, we're taking it back in there. Yeah. We didn't pay for that. And she goes, no, we can just leave. Nobody saw us. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we're taking it we're back. We're taking it there. back. And that was the, when I realized how much I really valued integrity. But oh wow, we ended up taking it back in there. And in that moment, I was able to teach my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. About can you, I mean, you could have went either way. Yeah. Oh, we could have learned. Oh my no goodness. one would have known. Nope. 25 cent glue. Yeah. Um, but me and my husband are real big on integrity. And 
we don't do the Spartan race competition. We don't sign up for the age group or, you know, you do it for the experience. Yeah. And, and to finish and get that medal. I think we're addicted to getting medals. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) Can you tell? Uh We got a few. Um, and if you can't do the obstacle, you have to do 30 burpees. Yeah. And so we see a lot, a lot of people that won't do the obstacle and they walk right past the burpee zone. Uh-huh. And they don't do the burpees. The on your honor system. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, and, and that's. Oh my gosh. Ever that's so much like life. How many times, how many times in recovery and, and people that we've talked to and, and clients you've had that, that just do the bare minimum like that? All the time. And what, what does the medal mean at the end then? I mean, it doesn't hold the same value, does it? No. And that's what we talked about. Yeah. Like, how can you grab that, that medal and hold it and be, be like, like, I did this. I did this. When in all actuality, you didn't. You didn't. You I shortcut. Couldn't, I couldn't hold it and say, especially that ultra. Yeah. I couldn't hold it and say, I did this if I couldn't climb the rope the second time. Exactly. I climbed the rope the first time. Uh-huh. I couldn't the second time. I so what did you do? I did my burpees. You did your burpees. So if I gave you one of these right now, and I'm like, here you go. I give you my 50-mile ultra marathon. I'd be like, there you go, Amber. It wouldn't hold the same value no. for you, would it? No. And that's the same thing that should happen in that feeling there at the end. So I got, I know exactly what you're saying, that integrity of like, did you really put in all the work or did you slide through? In, in recovery, so many times I saw my clients would, would get through, they'd sneak through mm-hmm. and maybe they'd forge their signature sheet for yeah. a meeting or maybe, but I'm like, at the end you're like, dude, that's not you're hurting me. You're only cheating yourself. 100%. Because I did that like in the beginning mm-hmm. when they were like, here, do this probation. I'm like, mm-hmm, whatever. Exactly. I'll do like the bare minimum, whatever you want to do. But I was only cheating myself. And so doing the running and Spartan races, it, it it has strengthened my recovery. And I use that in my recovery. I can see it. There's this last summer, I think it was this last summer, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw you and you're in the red addict athlete jersey. Mm-hmm. You're covered in mud and you've got this fierce look on your face. And it caught me off guard. So I'm like, I'm like, Marissa, who's doing Spartan races on the team? <laughs> and I was like blown away. Because I don't think a lot of our, our athletes out there know what they are. I think they've heard of them. Yeah. But you looked as though you just conquered Mount Everest. Oh, and I felt it. And your husband there next to you. And you guys, you, I mean, you you're, you were just like, you are you were like screaming with joy. I don't know what was going on, but you were just like, I was like, whoever, what whatever's going on here? Because I just saw the picture at first. I didn't read the captions. I'm like, she's doing it. Yeah. She is the real deal. And then that's when I'm like, I got to track her down. I've got to get her on this podcast because that picture alone represents so much that it's hard. It's fatigue. You're mm-hmm. dirty. You're 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 just struggling. But like you're like, oh, I'm just getting started. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Even though I know you were tired and all that, you're yeah. just that fierce look in your face. I'm like, she knows that she's got this. Yeah. Is that and how it felt? Yeah, and it's hard. Like it's it's mentally hard. Yeah. And and even in, in recovery, it's hard. Absolutely. Like, my life hasn't been just all Oreos and orgasms. Exactly. In recovery. So like, very true. Things happen. Bad things still happen. And life is still unfair. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, over just these last couple of years, you know, my son, he's 21 now. Mm-hmm. He started having some pretty serious mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared. I thought my son was in a very scary, dark place. Yeah. And... Life still, you know, my dad died. Um, uh-huh. I got, I had to move again. You know, I, life is still hard. Right. And 
it's still unfair, but I'm no longer in the victim. Absolutely. And the picked on and yeah. the poor me. And my my whole recovery, it, it, it's just a whole health now. So mm-hmm. even financially. Yeah, because you carried this on to other areas of life. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that Marissa's like, look at this. And then she showed me some things you guys had done too that blow my mind because not only have you now finished or started and, and done school and you have these goals to go on, not only have you increased your, your willingness to stay sober and put in the places there and work with these people, mm-hmm. not only have you conquered these events, these races as a member of Addict to Athlete, that's not done yet. You're like, okay, now I'm tackling yet another monster, another giant yep. financial. Tell me about that too because I don't want to skip over it because you're kind of doing so many positive things because it's just making that next best choice. Yeah. So tell me about that. So um, growing up, I my dad had the old school Dave Ramsey tapes. Yeah. And so Dave Ramsey's always been like... Common name for you, you guys, know, huh? Yeah, I see it. I know who it is. My dad listened to it. Um, and, and growing up, I was never taught about, really, about credit cards or loans or, you know, and mm-hmm. they didn't teach a whole lot about it in school. No, they don't. And then in addiction... I'm trying to do anything and everything I can to get the drugs, mm-hmm. money. Um, I racked up a ton of medical bills. I'll bet. Um, and credit cards. You know, I didn't care right. about my credit, my finances. It's the last thing someone in addiction thinks about. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so even in recovery, um, you, you're hit with that when you try to go get a place and you do not have good credit. Yeah. Or yep. you have a bunch of debt. Um, and so I I didn't really get into Dave Ramsey. I knew I had to fix some of my financial. Mm-hmm. I didn't really dive right into it. But I met my husband and we started listening to his podcast. Mm-hmm. And we actually started listening to his book. We started the book on our way to Idaho <laughs> to my first Spartan race. Yeah, That's when we started the book. We Get loved- you amped up to run a Spartan race yeah. listening to some Dave Ramsey. Yes. I love it. Yes. We um, we started listening to a book. We love listening to books or podcasts when we go on road trips. Yeah. Um, and we just were like, we can do this. Absolutely. And I had debt. I actually filed bankruptcy with my ex-husband mm-hmm. um, because that's what I thought my only solution was. Yeah. Um, I've been down that path. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we just... We were like, let's do this. I had a ton of student loan debt, mm-hmm. um, car payment. I was able to get a car. And that's like a thing in recovery. You know, you're able to <laughs> finance a car, get a car. Yep. But now I have this car debt. Um, and we just took on Dave Ramsey. And we wanted to be in a better place financially. Mm-hmm. You know, we were doing well physically, um, mentally, emotionally. Um, in recovery, yeah, and we're like, we can do better here too. So not don't just stop. Yeah, like like go to the next best thing yeah. too. Yep. And so we we started it, and it was kind of off and on. You know, uh-huh. we, we would try to do the budget, and then we didn't stick to it. And then um, he actually had a relapse um, a year ago, mm-hmm. um, and he had to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Did some time, and I and that was during COVID too. Mm. And his shop closed, and I um, wasn't working where mm-hmm. I was working at at that time, and we were in a pretty tough situation. Yeah, and that was when we were like, okay, we really gotta, we gotta really buckle down. Yeah, then. 
And so we, for eight months, we set a budget and we cut back on everything. Um, we got rid of subscri- subscriptions that we didn't need. Mm-hmm. And we cut back on the cable. We cut back on eat. We didn't eat out at all. Yeah. Um, and I meal prep. I'm, I usually meal prep every week. I'm brilliant. I've been doing that for about four years. Wow. Um, but I mean, there would be weeks that I'm like, eh, to heck with this. We, we, we earned it. We deserve it. Yeah. (laughs) But for eight months, we just buckled down and we paid off, um, over $60,000 in debt. In how many months? Eight. In eight months, 60 K. Yep. Holy crap, Amber. And people say it's not possible. It is. It is, isn't it? It is. Um, he worked all the time, and mm-hmm. I took overtime when I could, and then I started selling things in the house that we that were just like in the store, just or, in the way, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I started making cakes on the side for kids. I love to make cakes, huh. and yeah, I started making meal plan books, and we're selling those. Brilliant. And whatever money we were getting was we were throwing in our debt we started at the smallest and went and of course the biggest was student loans yeah amber sixty thousand dollars uh-huh. that is that is incomprehensible sometimes to, to, to even conceptualize and it wasn't again the same principles to recovery to school to life to financial they're all kind of the same isn't it mm-hmm. what what's the golden thread between all of them it's like do it yeah just don't, don't wait make the decision and do it don't limit yourself. Absolutely. I like people would tell me no or doors would shut mm-hmm. and I would go a different way. Absolutely. That's I like would. that's like Marissa over there. She's like, no one ever tells me no, I'll find a way. And I'm yeah. like, no way. And she yeah. does. And I'm like, that is actually incredible. Yeah. It's not manipulating the system. It's saying, I'll find what I need. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when I get there, I'll, I'll, be, I'll appreciate it, but I'm not just going to roll over. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So you guys actually met Dave Ramsey, yeah. I, I saw. We went to a show. Unfortunately, uh-huh. he wasn't there that day. Okay. We applied to do the debt-free screen because we listened to his podcast and we love the debt-free screen. Uh-huh. They kept us motivated. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, let's just try. Mm-hmm. There, there's thousands of people that apply to go. And we were actually going out to the Tennessee Spartan race yeah. anyway. And so we applied to do the screen. I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, but I, I try not to put that in the universe either. I believe in like what I say out what comes out of my mouth I or believe like it. what I'm thinking is what I'm manifesting. Absolutely. Um, so I kept telling him, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I remember when I got the call, I was at work and it was his secretary. Uh-huh. And they're like, we want to do this debt-free scream. And, and this is amazing. We'd love to have you guys come out. And oh my gosh, I, I lost my shit at work. Oh, but you did. I bet you're like, <laughs> what? Like, like, I'm like calling him and he's working. He's tattooing. So, I mean, uh-huh. he's got gloves on. He can't answer. And I'm like, answer the phone. It's, oh it's happening. <laughs> so Magic we, is happening. Yep. We uh-huh. went out to Tennessee. We flew out there and we were able to, um, because of where we were at financially, we were able to pay for his parents to go. Oh, wow. Um, so we took his parents with us. Oh, my us. gosh. Mm-hmm. And we did the Spartan race uh, that Saturday. Yeah. And then hung out with his parents and, and sight, went sightseeing on Sunday. And then we went to the Dave Ramsey show Monday. Oh, wow. And we got to go up there and tell our story and scream. That is so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. It is really. So after you see all this stuff and you've had these, these this much success, and it really is, it's funny, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you want to be an addict, be the best addict you can be. 
but yeah. expect the consequences. Yep. If you want to be sober, be the best sober person you can be, but expect the consequences. And the funny thing is they don't realize that the same place that you use to be a world-class addict, you can use to be a world-class person in recovery. Absolutely. Those same principles apply, don't they? Yep. That same diligence, that same that same drive that, that you took to try and find your drug when you had no money, you had no resource, you had no transportation, but at the end of the day you were high. I found it. You flipped that script. Yep. Same principles. Amazing, huh? Yep. I used to, I rode a kid's bike like five miles in the snow See? to get drugs. Yeah. Because I See? had no car. And it, yeah, and it was like, it wasn't, it was like, I'm doing this. Yeah. This is like, happening. I need. I need this. I'm going to go get it. Yeah. And I've changed that mindset of, I want this. Yeah. I'm going for it. And now it's like this. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I, I'm, I'm, I want to go into law. I'm doing this. Yep. I'll figure to be riding my bike five miles in the snow to get there. Yep. That is the coolest thing. And I don't think people realize flipping that script is the exact same thing. I'll tell people all the time, go out and make your life as miserable as possible. Give you five minutes. Can you do it? Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I could do to make my life that miserable. Yeah. Like, I want you to go out and make your life as amazing as possible in five minutes. And they're like, I don't know if I can. Yeah. Like, you booger, it's the same thing. Yeah. Right? So I love that concept. And that's that's part of it. When I saw your picture and then we saw you go, you guys go out there to Tennessee and do all that, I'm like, Marissa, we've got to get her on here. <laughs> so here's the deal. You make it look kind of easy. It wasn't, though. No, absolutely not. What do you tell the person that thinks that it's going to be, you know, so challenging that, that they they shouldn't even try? Yet, you know, now when you look back, you're like, I just had to make the next best choice. You did that repetitively. What do you tell the person that doesn't believe that it's possible? Um, what I normally tell them is don't look so far ahead. Ah. Like, do a, take a step today to get there. Yeah. So I want to go to law school, right? Or I want to pay off my debt. Okay, what can I do today that is moving me closer? Perfect. So, and, and... Us addicts, I think we label ourselves mm-hmm. and we lower ourselves. Oh, and we, yeah. I remember, and I and I tell this to to my everyone, my peers, everyone I I encounter with in recovery or in active addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, we're no less or no better than anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was in treatment, I was going to DBH. <laughs> And I remember when I would walk in there, I'd get off the bus or I'd get dropped off and I'd walk in there and I'd see the receptionist and yeah. then I'd see the therapist and I'd see everyone working in there, right? And I'd just be like, whatever, you have your life together. Uh-huh. You have this money and you have your job and your fancy little office, whatever. Yep. You know, like I I put myself below them. Mm-hmm. They didn't. No. I did. You did. And then... I got a job there. And that was the crazy part. And the, the weird thing when you walk down behind the door and you go to your office, and yeah. like, wait a second, what's, yeah. Now I'm not in my nice office. Uh-huh. Um, but the goal about that, the beautiful thing is, is that you know that that's what the person coming in saying and thinking. So yeah. what do you do? I, oh man, I'm just myself. You're just yourself. Yeah. And, and I'm transparent. Mm-hmm. And I think for me is... Um, when people, especially now at DCFS, mm-hmm. you know, they don't like me before I even knock on the door. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You come, you come with a very heavy, heavy label. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once they have a conversation with me, it's changed. Absolutely. Because then they, and I tell them all the time, like, you know what, when you walk in that store, pick your head up. Yeah. Like, yeah, you may not be in the best place today. 
Mm-hmm. But you're no less of a person or you're no less worthy. Absolutely. Of being here. Oh, Amber, I love it. And I had to share that story with DBH. I was like, you know, I, when they hired me, I had to pinch myself. Yeah. Like you're, I was coming here and I was at the lowest of lows. And now I'm at a point where you're going to pay me. Yeah. To be here. That's just insane to me. It's awesome. Like, and I did that. You know, you did it, mm-hmm. and, and my past. Um, I don't have to be a prisoner, and I am not proud of a lot of things. I hear you, but I don't. I don't label myself as a bad person, or I am not worthy anymore. Yeah, because of that, you don't set camp up back there. No, you're you're too far gone from that. Yeah, like I deserve a good life. Yes, you do. And everybody does. Yeah. And you know what? Life has been hard and it hasn't been very fair for me. And I have had to fight like hell Yeah. to get where I am today. That's why when I saw your picture on the Spartan course, I'm like, whatever yeah. she did, she just fought like hell to get yeah. exactly where she is. Yep. And I fight like hell every day. And I still, I'll have 10 years in recovery in April. Oh, wow. And I still, there's still days where... I have to remember, okay, I got to just take today. Yeah. Because I remember being in that first year and being and meeting people with almost 10 years, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, how is that even possible? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't even see myself there. Absolutely. God, you know, I, 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 I'm so thankful that you didn't give up on this technologically, like, goofy guy here so we could get this done because <laughs> you have spread a lot of message. Athletes, take what she's saying in stride. I want you to really resonate with this story this will be a podcast you need to go back and listen to and if you have someone that's struggling that doesn't think they're they're capable or able direct them to amber's podcast here because she's living proof that it can happen i mean does that sound kind of weird now like like, yeah you're that person that people can say well if she did it maybe i can do it oh yeah and i used to hate that though i know yeah (laughs) early recovery Uh uh-huh if i can do it you can do it no i'm not you yeah no really if i can do it you can do it that's how i feel about school i'm like i school me didn't go very well (laughs) and i'm like if i can do it bloody hell anybody can do it so i'm with you on that amber thank you for taking the time listeners please share this podcast i want to thank radio ronan for all that you guys do for team addict athlete the podcasting platform athletes go listen to the rest of radio ronan's network there they have great podcasts And uh, athletes, until next time, go turn that mess into a message.